touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Torn to five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? It is the breakdown, and you know what that means. Yeah, it's Wednesday. That's what it means. Uh, thanks for being here with us on Canadian Football Perspective. He is Derek Taylor at DT on SC. Of course, catch up on the sports cage, as always, on CKRM out there in Saskatchewan. And, of course, I am Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh. Thank you, as always, to Fox 40 for supporting the podcast here. Of course, in English, that is supporting uh, the podcast, uh, as they have given us great opportunity to be able to bring you Canadian football coverage unique and geared directly towards you to get you ready for game day, just like all of their gear. Go over to fox40shop.com for Fox 40 gear whistles and coaching boards use the code cfp15 at checkout for 15 percent off your order i thought uh, by the way dave foxcroft at fox 40 did a great job in that bc ottawa game because that could have got out of hand really quickly uh late on saturday evening because it is man, just <laughs> that that ottawa team trying to keep pace with a team that's getting return touchdowns and throwing deep passes successfully dt uh it was a war of attrition again on saturday night for the red blacks wasn't it it's too early for me to gloat, but I mean, we're a third of the way through the season and Ottawa has one win and it was the flukiest of wins. Yeah, I'm getting close to victory lap. I'm warm. <laughs> I'm stretching my hamstrings, getting ready for victory laps. As I, as I look back at all my uh, over under win total bets for the season, oh, Hamilton under nine and a half. Okay, that's coming through because they've already got three losses. I feel... I feel pretty strongly that Ottawa under three and a half is coming through because it was at they, three and a half, eh? And it's still going to hit. Three and a half. <sighs> yeah. Like they were, they were three and 15, right? They were three and 15 in 2019 and they got, they lost talent. And you go, oh, well, they're, they're going. The better said, oh, they're going over. Like they are absolutely not going over three and a, three wins in 18 or four wins in 14 with less talent. Oh, but magic. And, and coaching and boop boop like uh, at some point somebody's gonna have to tackle lucky whitehead and <laughs> I love Lapo and I love Mike Benavides they can't they're not allowed to tackle by rule right mm -hmm. not like that New York Jets strength coach who tripped a gunner I on don't the know man if you've back. seen Benny on the sidelines this season oh. that, like if that dude gets a clean shot on lucky whitehead I don't know if lucky whitehead <laughs> is gonna exist anymore that old ESPN segment jacked up. You're thinking it would be that? I oh yeah. I don't, I don't know what Benny would do if he got a hold of one of these guys that's running back a deep return or a nice uh, you know long run ripped off against the Red Blacks defense. But that dude is jacked. He is you. Oh. You could rip somebody in half right now. And by the way, his mustache is glorious. Oh yeah. Ah oh, it it's, looks good. It's not even November. Like I'm I'm so sad that. First of all, I'm sad that we don't have a normal playoff year where it's like all of the mustaches across the league just magically appear in time for playoffs because that's always great. Uh, but I, I'm a little bit sad that Ottawa is not going to be a threat 
deep into November where we're really going to care a lot about their season. Because, yeah, if, if he's doing anything with Movember for men's cancer and raising money, that dude could raise a lot of money in Ottawa. That's a town that loves to fundraise, whether it be because yeah. of the political influence or not. And I'm telling you, he, he would have a great platform to be able to use that for some cash that people would be able yeah. to put to very, very good uh, good use. But, um, yeah, it is Ottawa's in a tough situation. I think we all understand that right now. We, as you say, projected that. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on around the league that the end of the triple header, maybe a little bit slow, maybe a little bit off, but a great weekend of football. I thought overall week six, and, and depending on what fan base you're a part of, you might disagree. If you're Hamilton, if you're Saskatchewan, if you are, I guess, Edmonton, uh, you know, playing at home and losing against Calgary, who you despise, then yeah, you might not feel great. But if you take a step back, cause I don't cheer for anybody. I just cheer for stories and, and for players and individual performances and, and coaches that I love as well, because Dave Dickinson, thank you for all the gift content. Uh, just wonderful. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just wonderful. Week in, week out, the gift content from Dickinson is almost unparalleled because he just has no filter on the sideline whatsoever, and it's so great. He's so pure and, and honest, and so I always appreciate that. But I also got a great shot that they got from the CFL and TSN this week of uh, Orlando Steinauer when the, <laughs> Michael Domagala hit the uprights, and he's just staring it onto the field, confused, like, did I really just see that? Did that actually happen? Uh, but this is the only podcast in the world, really, that you come to to be able to get a full breakdown of Isaac Harker or David Watford. Uh, and we can give that to you because Hamilton and Saskatchewan, where we are, uh, maybe we will do that later on in the show as we bounce around all the different quarterback topics. But I do want to begin yeah. with the question of Dominic Davis in Ottawa as we bounce through these QB spots because... Uh, you have some rather strong feelings about Dominique Davis and what is happening with the quarterback of the nation's capital now that Matt Nichols has been sent to the bench. Let me start with I'm, I'm, Matt Nichols is, is, is better. Matt Nichols should be playing if Matt is healthy. If he's not, give him time, get him healthy. Here's my thing with Dominic Davis. And we watched last season. He had an amazing game week two against the Riders and the rest of the season was an absolute living nightmare. Yeah. I, I tuned into that game because I, I called the, the early game in the triple header. And then I tuned into the game and saw Farhan and, and Dunnigan doing it. And as I'm watching this game, uh, I, I just think game's about to start. Here comes the Ottawa offense onto the field. This should not be happening. Dominic Davis should not be starting a football game. The very first pass of the game, he just about put Ryan Davis in an ambulance. Like he throws it and it's a six miles high and Davis, bless his heart, jumps to his absolute maximum and, and tries to pull it in, gets undercut and lands on this neck slash back of his head. And I go, yeah, even if it's not an interception or a dropped interception, it's a hospital ball. And, oh, I'm leading. There's so many times you see quarterbacks not lead their receivers into trouble. And Dominic leads his receivers into trouble. And he just about put Ryan Davis in a hospital. And he had three picks dropped in that game. And he threw a pick. And he threw the – there are so many problems with the pick going into halftime. There are so many problems from a coaching level to a wide what, – what are you throwing that ball for level. At this – I've reached the point where, honestly, I just think it's mean to keep putting Dominic Davis on the field. And I, I met Dominic once. I interviewed him once. I, I like him a lot. I feel like if I played for the Red Blacks – I would gravitate to this guy and I would want to be like him. He cannot quarterback in the Canadian football league anymore. And to keep asking him to do it is just, it's mean you're, you're being teased forever 
by the potential of a 32-year-old quarterback who threw five touchdowns and 14 picks last season. Well, he can do this, and we're going to talk about all the parts of it. But at some point, you just have to sit a guy down because you have this conversation, I don't know, 50 times a year. Sit a guy down and go, this job you really want to do, you can't do it anymore. We'd love to see if there's a role for you on the team, but you cannot be the quarterback of this team anymore because it ain't working and there's nothing to suggest it will work. And to be on the losing end of a 50 point beatdown, whatever the final score of that game was, yeah. it's, it ain't right. It, and it isn't good for the league and it isn't good for the red blacks and it doesn't help the red blacks in any fashion. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate because his raw skill set, the arm strength, he threw a curl ball in the game against Montreal in week five that looked like a real true professional quarterback. Sometimes he takes a snap and shotgun. He takes a quick little three-step machine gun drop where it's bang, 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 hits his back foot, and he rips it, and it's on target. But to what you're saying, I, I couldn't agree more, and I hate to say it because I've been trying to champion him and, and hold out hope and see where he could go. And But it's it's the ball. It's not even necessarily the ones that get intercepted that are really frustrating because you throw an interception, whatever. What the hell? It's quarterback play, unless you're – freaky accurate and always make the right decision and always know what defense they're in you're going to throw the odd interception here or there but for me it's not even the high interception total which it is with him it's the as you say hospital balls yeah it's the ones that just make you twist your head like that's mm-hmm. that's the real problem that i have with dominic davis when i watch him and i'm with you i interviewed him too a couple of years ago fun story went from the jayhawk conference uh made his way to ecu and then made his way up and bounced around and was looking like he's a good dude this is this is nothing personal whatsoever but when you three or four times a game i would say when i've watched him play 2019 and 2021 he just does things that make you go man i i just would never do that and again i'm not one to judge i ain't playing in the cfl and i was never near good enough to be able to do that but you watch the quarterback play of you know, there's there's these varying degrees of recklessness and the success that they have with efficiency. It's like Trevor Harris is way over here, where it's like everything's under 10, 15 yards for the most part, takes the odd shot, Ellingson Walker. Now he's got these new toys that he's playing around with. But and on the other yeah. side, you've got like Jeremiah Masoli at his most reckless, where it's like, whoa, I have no idea what's happening. And Bo is kind of like in the middle where it's like he's reckless, but he's efficient. And Riley at times can be the same as that. And to me, Davis is like he's in the reckless scale. He's not efficient. Like we know this, he's yeah. in the reckless scale, but it's like, I don't, I don't even know how to paint it. It's a, it's a weird combination of he's so reckless that he shouldn't be able to get away with any of it, but somehow he does. And he does just enough to frustrate you where you feel like he's putting people in bad situations, which is hurting their offense as a whole, but it's also an offense that's got so many missing parts and struggling and offensive lines shuffled around and all, like, it's just it's a it's a bad situation, I, and I hate banging on Ottawa oh, for this. For so sure. so you know I I hate banging on quarterbacks the same way when they're in a bad situation, but I also have seen him play in Winnipeg, where they weren't the reigning Grey Cup champions. But I, I was calling a game for the Ticats where David Watford or sorry where uh, where Dominic Davis had to come in, and uh, I mean it was the same thing. It was it was wow that's a great throw. Two plays later throws it right into somebody's chest or throws a fade ball into double coverage where the free safety is rolling over the top or uh, misses a crossing route on a, you know, kind of like a climb route at 12, 15 yards, sails it over the head, free safety is there, catches it like a punt. Like it, there's just these little things where you just, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I hate to admit that I'm with you on this one because I don't want to be with you on this one, but I don't think it's right for Ottawa to send him out. 
And I don't know why they don't take a look around and try to find some solutions, even if it's raw, new, fresh, completely unseasoned when it comes to the CFL or anything else. Uh, I did get sent by somebody tonight an image of uh, Duck Hodges, who had a cup of coffee uh, in the NFL, holding a, a ball that looked like a CFL ball and driving on an interstate with uh, his car. So maybe, I don't know if he's a negotiation list guy, if they're going to announce something, but uh, if anybody wants to check him out, Duck Hodges apparently has a CFL ball and was on a highway and someone sent it to me and said, Hey, is he coming up? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a reporter. I don't give a damn. I'm like, Hey, if yeah. when he gets here, I'll do some target charts and then you can message me and I'll tell you what's happening with him. But, uh, but yeah, it's Ottawa quarterbacking at large, man, bad spot, bad spot. When you got a veteran oh. veteran, that's ding that can't play. That's not good enough. That might be injured, might not be injured. We're not really sure. Might've had a dead arm coming into training camp. Arbuckle doing his thing in Toronto where you probably should have had him if you were doing things the correct way. Um, you know, backup quarterback, who's not really good enough to be a backup quarterback. That's just going to be reckless with the football and throw interceptions, no real contingency plan. No real future. You got a coaching staff that's there that's set up, ready to go. And you got nobody to access the strengths that they have available in developing players because I don't think there's any development that's going to be happening when you're trying to find your feet. In the CFL, coaching staffs can get overhauled once every two, three years max a lot of the time, unless you're O'Shea, basically, in Winnipeg at this point. And maybe mm -hmm. maybe Orlando Steinauer. But when you're losing the amount of games that they're losing. How are they possibly going to give Lapalise the correct opportunity with the right quarterback to show improvement before people start calling for his head in two years? And, and that's just disappointing, but oh. that's the reality. None of this is Lapalise's fault. No, this I agree. is all, I agree. The, this is all who who's, who's not collecting any talent for my, my players to play with and my coaches to coach. Uh, the, the irony of the whole thing is I think I would, in a two-quarterback league, I might be a little scared of this, but we see different ways that teams have approached this. You can only carry two quarterbacks, or you, you can only count two quarterbacks, right? The Riders carry Cody Fajardo and Isaac Harker, and it's very clear that if Cody's playing, Isaac will not play in any fashion. Uh, Winnipeg carries Zach Caleros and Sean McGuire. McGuire will come in and do the short yardage stuff. And in the case of uh, the Banjo Bowl, he'll come in in short yardage and throw a 50-yard bomb to Nick Dembski because Buck Pierce stole it right from Paul Lapalise and, and Chris Strebler. And it was, it was oh my God, it's the CFL. Uh, it's fantastic. I think Dominic Davis can be your number two quarterback because Dom, he doesn't, I just pulled up his running stats from 19. He doesn't design run a ton or didn't in Ottawa, but 100% on his quarterback sneaks, that's pretty nice. I yep. You have a quarterback sneak guy who could, if you wanted to, throw the ball. If Winnipeg could do it with Strebler, somebody could do it with Dominic Davis. Strebler is actually, in my numbers, less accurate than Dominic Davis. And Strebler has enough other stuff that he got to the NFL. So there's, I think there's a role for him in a number two situation. It just, it always requires you have to have a number one. Your number three has to be your number one. Yeah, that's number one is hurt. That's interesting because that to me is what just happened to Michael O'Connor. Like, oh, we, yeah, yeah. We just saw listed as the backup starter goes out. Listen, we like you, but we don't, we don't like you that much. And you go with somebody else. And but again, it's like the number three, I believe, in, uh, in Ottawa is the guy who's been doing the Lamar Jackson impersonation from the practice roster of the Ravens last couple of years. His name escapes me right now, but. Like, I don't think their number three has the ability to jump in and be a number one either. And again, that speaks to roster building and having a plan. And 
here's the real damning thing to me. And I hate the fact that I'm probably going to end up saying this 5 million times on this podcast network over the next nine months leading into the next season is how on earth do you go into a season all respect to Matt Nichols, but like the dude has been dinged up consistently throughout his career, whether it be fair or not. And I hate the idea of, well, he's injury plagued or he's uh, you know, he's likely to get injured. I, I don't like that because injuries are most of the time freakish. Unless yeah. you go to a person's body and you say they are prone to breaking down because they have structural damage from the past, then maybe. But Matt Nichols has been dinged, and it's not a great roster. You probably have to anticipate if you are Ottawa, well, at some point, we're probably going to have to play someone else. And your grand plan, your recruiting, your free agent signing was Dominique Davis, who threw all those interceptions for you in 2019. And no longer you have Jonathan Jennings. You go with this third-string quarterback who clearly doesn't have enough experience to understand how to play the CFL game as of yet. Well, he's not coming in to be your starting quarterback. So what is the, what is the plan? Like there was just no plan on what happened if Nichols got dinged. There, there are times where it just seems like the only thing I can come up with is the GM and the coach are not on the same page. Uh, James Franklin went to Toronto and I thought, well, that's the way Tressman talked about Franklin it was very clear he didn't want him, but he got him because Jim Pop brought him in. Paul Apolise did not help, did not keep Dominic Davis in Winnipeg, and now he's got him in Ottawa. Yeah. This has got to be the GM and the coach are on different pages about this. If why would Winnipeg have ever let him go if Paul Apolise loved him? Er, ergo, he doesn't love him. Uh, Taryn Christian and Caleb Evans are on their practice roster, the Red Blacks. I don't know anything other than they're six foot two and about 210 to 220 <laughs> and 23 and 24 years old. But it can't, honestly, people, people say, well, look at this. I called the game he had against the Riders, 30 to 39 for 354 and three touchdowns. And it was a, it was a top five in the CFL game in 2019. But pro sports is not about what you can do. It's about how often you do what you can do. And you could be, for one game, I'm going to be the best quarterback in the world. And for the other 13 this season, I'm going to lose the game for us. Is not a guy you need on your team. It's fun to see it happen the one time. But ultimately, there's no there's no way that Davis gives them a better chance to win than even this Matt Nichols. As, as hurt as Nichols must be, there's no way... Because Nichols can at least avoid turning the ball over five times a game. Uh, Davis, 2019, threw an interceptable pass every 16 passes. That is so rough. Yeah. That is so rough. Let's, uh, you just have to stop. stop. Let's, let's wrap the Dominic Davis thought here by playing a quick game of uh, who would you rather have as your starting quarterback? Okay. Okay. Uh, Dominic Davis, Isaac Harker. Harker. Dominic Davis, David Watford. Oh, Watford, probably. I just don't know. I, I just don't. Watford's at least a question mark. That's an me. unfair I, question. Yeah. We don't know enough about David Watford. I'm with you on that. Uh, but, I know, but I know Dominic Davis. I, can, I know yeah. what Davis is about. So I'd be curious to see Watford. Uh, Dominic Davis, Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, Nathan, like, I know Nathan can run the ball, and I saw a little bit. But again, I know, like, I know what Davis is. And he's, if he was 24, different deal. He's 32. 32 years old he's a finished product and he might be finished hmm. uh and the last one i got for you here dominique davis nick marshall <sighs> has, has marshall ever thrown the ball or is he just 
Was he just the sneak guy under Chris I, Jones? I don't. I, I'd be fun. It'd be funny to see. Uh, I, I imagine there's still some magic in that arm somewhere. It's it's amazing because he is such a naturally moving defensive back. But like, I watched that dude play at Auburn, and I was just awestruck with his athleticism and his ability to operate that offense because I don't was that Chizik or Gus Malzahn that was there at that point when he was running around and doing that with I think it was Trey Mason they had a bunch of backs at the time that he was working with and they were running all this full house stuff and they were running the quadruple option you know essentially inside (laughs) inside zone you can pull you can run you can pitch or you can throw it to the outside to a receiver who's just hanging on the sideline five yards down the field in case the corner runs up on the triple option it's just they they were running such good stuff there and I loved watching him play and it's so funny to me every week when I'm watching a CFL game and I'm just like Oh yeah, yeah, defensive back. Oh, here's here's another one, last one for you. Even though he's been out on the COVID list and one game and all that stuff, um, Dominic Davis or Armonte Edwards. Speaking of great college quarterbacks that were mobile, man, one of the great college victories of all time at the hand <laughs> of Armonte Edwards. I just I, I I know what Davis is. There yeah. there are a lot of quarterbacks for whom I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is for Nick Arbuckle. I don't know. Uh, what the answer is. Yeah. I don't know what the, honestly, I don't know what the answer is for Dane Evans either, yeah. but I know, I just know what it is for Dominic Davis. And if you have, if you have no talent around you, who who's going to lift that team up at all on offense. And I don't, cause I like Kenny Stafford. I hope it's Kenny Stafford who they recently signed, but everything just looks like two and 12. How many, again, I want to move off of Ottawa here, but this is such an interesting variety of topics to me that circle around them. One of which is we saw them sign like six receivers as Mm -hmm. as of the other day. How many people do you think catch a pass for the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2021? Because to me, I'm like, I, I don't know if Wesley Lewis has a target or a catch yet, but I know off the top of my head, obviously Bahar, Peterman, RJ Harris, uh, I believe Smallwood might have had a catch early yeah, on. Uh, I don't think Sharon Peak caught anything, but they tried to throw it to him. Uh, he just didn't make any plays back in that week four game that I called against BC. One for five for Sharon Peak. Okay, good. So he's on the list. So how many people do we have for right now for the Ottawa Redbox catching passes on the year? Because the amount of player movement I would expect they're going to have, yeah. there's going to be just a bunch of dudes with three catches by the end of the year. Uh, I have currently 11 in my database. It hasn't been okay. uh, necessarily updated for this week. Uh, hopefully the CFL has, they don't have week six stats in there, but right now it's 11. Um, I'm going to conservatively say 19. Eight, the yeah. over-under is 18 and a half. Okay, yeah. Thanks to our friends at, I'm going to give anybody a shout out, TSN Edge. Eh? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> the good folks at TSN Edge, the pop masters say, Take the over on 18 and a half receivers <laughs> having a pass completed. Check the, out uh, Red Black. DT's work on TSN Edge. He's doing good stuff over there alongside Aaron Krolnick and uh, lots of other people that are working very hard to build that thing up. Can I brag for just briefly? We've done this segment for six weeks now. The prop bet, the player prop bets we've recommended 21 and 10 so far. Wow. Boom. Man, that is nice. That's for real. You want, you want to, we want to make some money. Go and play those uh, those odds then. That's good stuff. Uh, all right, let's change it up. We talked a lot about Ottawa here, and that's a lot of uh, you know sad stuff and down stuff and all the rest. I would like to flip the script here and talk about Winnipeg uh, because they feel like they are the class of the Canadian Football League right now. DT, you've just seen them in person twice in back-to-back weeks, and 
I think we understand what Winnipeg is about at this point. Like it's the overwhelming defense and it's Andrew Harris being able to get after it and all the rest when he's not ripping helmets off. Uh, and for, for, for me, uh, I, I just look at Winnipeg and I'm, I'm kind of amazed. And the reason I say this is not very often, you know, I was just talking about coaching staffs and the turnover that you get across the Canadian football league. Not very often do you get a team that wins the great cup. That's kind of thrown together. You know, they've got a lot of freedoms that have signed back the last couple of years, but the important piece is thrown together. Kicking game this year, ooh, not great. Ooh. Um, the quarterback play has been exceptional as Zach has gotten a full year, and I know that you are proudly out there on Claros Island. Uh, and so I just look at this and I think we don't usually have the rollover from one year to the next. Now throw in the fact that we missed a year because of COVID and the fact that they essentially took the first month outside of a loss against Toronto in Toronto, they essentially took the first month and just confirmed oh yeah, that great cup, that wasn't a three-week run. That's who we are. Yeah. And the idea that they, are, they have been able to confirm that and do it against quality opponents, I mean, Hamilton week one slapped them, said, yeah, whatever. You guys, this isn't a great cup rematch. This is us just getting after it and doing to you what we did in the great cup. Then Saskatchewan back-to-back at their place, sure. I don't give a damn. Like Toronto comes into our place, <laughs> no, no chance. We go to Toronto, we get a weird loss, but... I've just I've been in amazement of how they've carried over at a time where I never thought there would be any carryover. Well, they got their big stars to take massive pay cuts, right? Honestly, that was watching yeah. this happen. I thought if Zach Caleros is in one piece, this this team's the favorite in the West because Willie. While teams, while every virtually every other team, Saskatchewan had to deal with personnel losses, right? Cam Judge, Charleston Hughes on the offense for other reasons, but other teams had to give guys raises because they earned them and they lost guys because of it. Somehow, some way, Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea, Wade Miller, the whole crew convinced Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, and Zach Caleros to take six-figure pay cuts, according to the reports. And okay, what what if you had to if you had to pick three guys that you wanted back on that team, you might have also wanted – if you wanted Stanley Bryant, cool. But those guys were in your top four of guys you wanted back, mm-hmm. right? And you go, okay, well, that's a great start. They got everybody else in there. Here's, here is uh, Jackson Jeffcoat. Oh, by the way, Jonathan Kongbo. Oh, remember how great a piece uh, Toby Antigua is? Well, he's our fifth end or whatever. Dude, off the I, I'm seeing people make plays on their defensive line in the, in the banjo bowl that I don't even know who they are. Like – and they're getting yeah. it. Who was the defensive tackle that planted Harker on that one play? Was because sales 96 Casey sales. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, it's uh, not sales. Cause he's the XFL guy that, uh, that came up. It wasn't Steven Richardson. It was, right. uh, it was a tackle that was wearing a number in the nineties that had a bit of a fire hydrant body, similar to Steven Richardson that I had, I've never heard of the guy before. And I'm like, so now you've got Jackson Jeffco, Willie Jefferson, theatric Hansen coming in, making plays, getting into the backfield, chasing people down. You got, uh, yeah, Toby Antigua being the fifth guy. You got Jonathan Kongbo flying off the edge as a freak athlete. And now we've got this random dude hitting people in the backfield that I've never heard of before because inevitably, because of all the names I just mentioned, he's getting single coverage. Like he's getting a single blocker put in front of him likely. So um, it is, it, it's so oh. incredible to see the way Ricky that- Walker. The, Ricky Walker, there you go. Yes, beautiful. Ricky Six. Walker. Yeah. 6'2", 287, first year Virginia Tech. Fire hydrant. Way to go, Hokies. Uh, 
but my yeah, yeah. I, I just it, it's amazing to me on offense. They're hitting on all cylinders. Zach goes 18 of 22. Um, two of his four incompletions, one was a knockdown, the other was a throwaway. So it's it's the most yeah. efficient football that you can play. I mean, it's just wild. I I was talking to somebody there because I was in the, in town for the game and I was talking to buddies. We're we're doing this without Steven Richardson. I'm like, that's a real good point because that dude, that dude clogs it up in the middle, right? And yeah. uh there's this perception that is Winnipeg the healthiest team in the league. Well, sort of, if you compare it to four Achilles injuries and stuff, but <laughs> Kyrie Wilson has been hurt. They Mercy Maston out for the year. They had to trade for Alden Darby, uh, which turned out to be a fantastic trade because Toronto waived the guy that they they acquired. Like uh, they should have had Bryant Mitchell on that team. Again, another conversation with a guy. Like you, you guys could have had Bryant Mitchell in this offense. What if this Bryant offense, Mitchell decided is- right now? What if Brian Mitchell decided right now where he just, he was like, he's looking around, he's seeing the highlights and like, maybe they still have his rights or whatever. And he's like, yeah, why not? Hell yeah. I'll, I'll play two months worth of football. Like if he were to show up the way that Kendall Wright apparently is showing up for the Argonauts and going to get involved rather quickly. And Derek Moncrief getting signed in Edmonton midseason as somebody who's just like, yeah, I want to keep playing football up here. Why not? Like, I don't see any reason why there aren't going to be more people that are in and around organizations on the fringes that are going to be like sure why not and brian mitchell could be one of them yeah and they would probably go 12 and 2 yeah if the here's the thing they look amazing five and one they're booming past their win total of eight anybody who bet that you're gonna bank it within before october is over the nothing has changed on the only reason that i doubt winnipeg's ability to repeat as great cap champions right Zach's taken some shots and he's looked fantastic after them. He doesn't look like he's had any problems, but that still kind of hangs out there. It's just, yeah. it's in the distance. What if, if you, if they don't have Zach Caleros and, and don't tell me Sean McGuire threw one pass for 50 yards, because <laughs> from a sneak formation, one-on-one on a 65 yard wide field, you better complete that hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And hashtag God bless Blaze Brown for making the tackle on that one. I think it was Blaze <laughs> Brown in coverage. But goodness gracious, Zach is the straw that stirs the drink. He's currently the MOP of the league, and he is the guy. I I pray this is the way. Uh, I pray they realize they are a passing team and not a running team because Andrew Harris has been fine. But Zach and the the receivers are are what's moving that team up and down the field. Yeah, I agree, but it's, it's so interesting to me the way that uh, 22 attempts, they don't want more than that. And they want to go 18. They would rather go, it feels like in Winnipeg, as an offensive philosophy, they would rather go 18 of 22 than Hmm. 25 of 40. Like they have more interest in just being highly efficient and running there. And even if that means that a couple of times a game, you run the ball on second and four, or you run the ball on first and 10 and get nothing. And it puts you behind the sticks and then, Whatever the situation is, if you rely on the run too much and you don't get the production that you need to move the sticks, they're like, cool, we'll punt, we'll play defense, we'll get a turnover, and we'll change field position periodically throughout the game. And then all we need is for Zach to throw two haymakers. Like, that's the formula. Yeah. It's, it's just how they want to play football, and it's winning, and it's doing its thing. So I'm with you. It would be fun to see them open it up because Kenny Lawler, I think, is one of the best aerobatic jump ball catchers in the league yeah. right now. And Darvin Adams, like being able to do what he does consistently. Walatarski playing his role. Dembski, I got to say this about Nick Dembski. 
And I, I was going to tweet this out, but I just, I wanted to save this for the podcast. First of all, I love mm-hmm. him. I, I love him. I, I, I just respect his game so much. I think he's great. But something that I've picked up on with Dembski that I didn't realize until this game because he was running in the open field so much. Nick Dembski is like the Monopoly man when he's running, right? Where it's just like, and the, the turnover of his leg starts to go. But the turnover and the speed for Dembski, he, I don't know what this is or how to define this other than to say he's twice as fast with the ball in his hands than he is when he's running routes. Do you know what I'm saying, DT? Yeah. Like, like he'll run a, a 10 yard out and he'll be like, get there, chop, 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 come out of the break, catch. Soon as the ball's in his hands, and he's just like, he, all of a sudden, his, his rhythm speeds up. I don't know if it's a naturally ingrained thing where he has adrenaline that he gets, he gets a burst of something when the ball touches his hands. And I enjoy that so much. With that being said, God, to Milt Stiegel's point on the panel, go score. Like Nick, you, if you become a better finisher, Nick Dembski, you are going to have five to 10 touchdowns a year, any year you want for the remainder of your time in the CFL. Cause he gets open and he's so good with yards after the catch and making people miss except for when he gets anywhere remotely close to actually, it's like when you're watching return man and you're like, he's got one man to make miss. Oh, that's Nick Dembski. Every time he touches the football and breaks a play is like, Oh my God, what a great game. Wow. What a tremendous talent. He just has to, Oh, he didn't get into the end zone. Like I love watching him play. I just want him to finish because he's making so many great plays. Can I tell you one thing I desperately want from Winnipeg, but I don't think I'm going to get? Uh, five defensive linemen that are all defensive ends <laughs> in at the same time as a defensive sub package, because I'd be here for that, where we take out oh. the tackles and we just line up across. Willie Jefferson is now your tackle, uh, and we go Kongbo is the other tackle, and then Jeff Coat. Like, line up Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeff Coat next to each other in a 5DN yeah. package would be my wish. But what's yours? So, with, with Justin Medlock, Justin Medlock best kicker in the history of the CFL. I, I will not tolerate any slander to otherwise. He's unbelievable. Uh, points above expected, just doubles anybody he played with in his era. Best kicker ever. My, my hope was that when they lost uh, Medlock, it would make them more aggressive in plus territory, right? right? Because, oh, we're on the edge of it. If this was Medlock, we would kick a 54-yard field goal because he's going to hit it 65, 70% of the time, and we won't care. But I'm like, okay, well, now that they're at 47, what I don't want you to do is take third and three and make that a punting down because there is nothing that bothers me more. <laughs> there are things. Uh, world hunger. Uh, but there is not much that bothers me more than punting in plus territory as a religion and stop it. So my hope was they're going to get more aggressive. You don't think uh, – Marshall, design a play for me. Zach Caleros in shotgun, three by two. There's Kenny Lawler and Nick Dembski and Drew Wolitarski. Okay, somebody get open for four yards. <laughs> they could do that in their bleep and sleep. Yeah. Be more aggressive with Andrew Harris can get three yards. Hell, they tried to sneak from the three yard line in the game against the Riders. Just, I wanted to be more aggressive in plus territory at what would be. Sort pretty comfortably Medlock's range, but will not be Mark Leggio's range. And I, I pray Mark Leggio gets better because he's it's been pretty rough for him. I just I don't think that's going to be the way they I think they might just be naturally slash sociopathically conservative in that and just go for the punt game. When man, if you start making some of those third downs in plus territory, 
you will you will put 50 on the board with that offense yeah i'm with you absolutely on that one i uh <laughs> i i do love the idea of them being so deep that they just don't richie hall doesn't know what to do with his defensive sub packages <laughs> where he's like i i'm stuck i got all these guys in here i gotta find work for somebody so uh but let's uh let's wrap up the podcast here by bouncing around and looking at the games coming up this week uh, because it is a fun slate. It's a double Friday. It's a double Saturday. God, those triples on Saturdays. They're for some people, they're fun. For some people, they're exhausting. When I wasn't working in and around the game so much, I thought they were great as a fan. And then when you start yeah. working around the game closer, you're like, this is a lot. This is this is asking a lot of me as a human being to invest myself in this for the entire, especially when you got a young kid, you want to spend some time with him. It's tough to be like, hey, daddy's a write off for the next 14 hours. See you Sunday when I'm exhausted. So uh, oh. I, 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 I we only have one more triple, thankfully, this entire CFL season. I looked it up uh, because I needed to make sure that I was going to survive the CFL season. And that is, I think, October 23rd. Uh, later mm. in the seat, later in the season, that we're going to end up having that. So, whoa, the CFL, huh. CFL highlights playing on the app in front of me. Jeez. Kids get in the way, Marsh. There's, there's, there's where the religious folks can have it. Don't have sex. Watch triple header football. <laughs> oh, tri- triple so, triple header football is my sex to some people. Oh, so that's what they man. would say. Uh, uh, but BC Montreal is yeah. to me the most fascinating game of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why is that to you? Uh, because I want to know what both these teams are about. Hmm. People are, we've talked about Montreal and where I think Montreal is. People, to me, are way higher on Montreal. Weren't they third in the CFL's power rankings? For, oh, fourth, pardon me, behind BC for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Montreal is. BC is a, is a pretty good football team. Like, if, if Mike, in a world where Mike Riley was 100%, they'd be second best team in the league maybe they can cover everybody you've talked at length about jordan williams and what he's doing with that middle linebacker spot yeah. the absolute unknowns on that defensive line boom watch him i believe is third in the league in quarterback pressures like they are a good football team and they're going to montreal i this line uh, as bc it says here on a cfl site as a one and a half point favorite i think it's the other way at sports books with montreal being a favorite I honestly don't know what this game is going to turn out to be. And it's the only one that I don't really have a feel on this week. I feel like I know what's going to happen in all three other games. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like the one thing I do know in this is that there will be vertical passing uh, because <laughs> Riley against Vernon Adams Jr. is going to make for some fireworks, I think, which is great, right? For a Saturday, 7 p.m., the sun's setting at Percival Molson. You got Riley in town. It's like an all-time great CFL. So, yeah, I'm down with that. I think that's uh, that's a fun one for sure to look at. But um, for me, I mean, Kahari Jones being out and in isolation with the COVID stuff, how much does play calling change? Because obviously the logistics of this is not that he's sitting in his room and radioing in the call from his bed. So mm-hmm. the way that Vernon has been able to push the ball so vertically and so forcibly vertically, even when it doesn't seem like it makes sense, whether it's off script or with a play call, like for them to be able to do that with a different play call, that's going to have a real impact on the game. So I'm going to have a close eye in this game on play calling tendencies, preferences, play calling packages, because Kahari can do everything that he wants to try and influence the game plan on the lead up to the game. Mm-hmm. Once the game, once the game starts, like that's going to be different and how that is different and how Vernon responds to that, I think will be very telling in this matchup uh, back on Friday night, the other 7 PM kickoff this week is the other early game. If you will call it that is uh, 
Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, I should say, by the way, for all of our friends in Western Canada. Uh, but on uh, on Friday, it's Calgary at Hamilton. Calgary at Hamilton. Dane on the injured list at this point. Evans, Jeremiah, eh, who knows? Uh, and so could it be David Watford? I, I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of building out a plan. I do know that Tommy Condell has a history of being very good of working around having to use backup quarterbacks, aside from maybe Jeff Matthews and Ja'Cory Harris. Uh, but that was, uh, I think, out of his control at various points. But I know that he's good at building packages around that. If I was playing CFL Fantasy this week, Sean Thomas Erlington would be numero uno. He would be the priority for me. And again, Calgary in their defense has been pretty good against the run for the most part this season. They haven't given up these huge gashes. I mean, James Wilder Jr. had a really good Labor Day Classic, but he's been doing that to pretty much everybody at this point in the season. So Sean Thomas Erlington, I think, is going to get a lot of touches, whether that is ground or air. I just I think he's going to be the play for people in fantasy. Um, And I also think, looking at Calgary's side, Bo, and I don't know how you graded this out or whatnot for, for Bo's first quarter back as the starting quarterback in Calgary. Man, that... That was strange. That was missing. An, he missed a corner throw on first down. And I'm pretty sure Dickinson called the exact same play out of a different formation. And he went back to the corner because the read led him there again. Man coverage, had the corner, threw the, missed it again. Came to the sideline. Yeah. And Dave just gives him a look like, the hell is going on? When Bo missed a throw on second down the first time in the game, he shook his head and was smiling and laughing like, ah, damn, I was off, man. I was off. The next drive, I think he goes two and out. He misses a throw on second down again. They went to the exact same camera shot of him walking off the field. Smile was gone. Like, no longer was it, ah, it's great to be back, and ah, I missed a throw. These things yeah. happen. He missed another throw, and you could see in his face, he's like, oh, damn. Okay. Like, I, I got I to gotta figure this stuff out. And then you take the delay of game calls back-to-back, and then Dickinson jumps all over him for that. It was just, there was a lot of, figuring it out and so if, if Hamilton's figuring it out without Evans or Masoli and Calgary is still kind of trying to figure it out I guess a little bit even though they looked yeah. a lot better in that second half then uh, I mean that that one's kind of volatile too it makes for two great games honestly yeah I, all I could think was uh, remember the movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costner and yeah. Cheech Marin where he loses his swing that day at the range You're like oh a little chili dipper there <laughs> you make sure you do that at the open it really impresses him and, it, and then he hits another one he's like roams what's up like there's yeah. bo levi mentioned like oh it's funny it was funny for a second now i don't know what the hell's happening yeah and i fear for i fear for my safety uh sean thomas erlington 11 touches 12 touches 11 touches eight touches six touches what is Hamilton doing with running backs? Don Jackson was on for a game and now he's off again. Yeah. Brandon Banks led them in carries one game. Yeah, that was uh, the fly sweep series. They went to a really heavy fly sweep series in that Labor Day game against Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, and to their credit, it worked. Like that's why I say Condell builds stuff where, hey, I want to get this guy touches, want to get him back into the rhythm of the offense. Let's do this. And he put, you know, installs a package that week. It's four or five plays, runs it repetitively. If as long as it's having success, he does. Um, I, I did kind of laugh though, that I don't, I don't think that play calls are necessarily personal. I think I read too much into this, but like Toronto Hamilton, it was so funny to me that, um, one of the, there was one year where I believe it was 2017 when Toronto was in the East final going up against Saskatchewan at BMO. And I was interested to see how Declan cross who I played with at McMaster was being used. So I searched Mm -hmm. in the database for the CFL. Declan Cross passed targets for the year and essentially 90% of them were the exact same play where the ball's on the left hash 
and he comes in and we used to call like bomber the backside, right? So you're just plussing in to be next to the tackle. You chip the defensive end, you release back to the left flats away from the play into the boundary. Quarterback takes the ball, pumps like it's a tunnel screen to the right to the field, flips his hips back and dumps it back underneath. Nikola Kalinich got that exact play called for him by Tommy Condell for Hamilton in Toronto at BMO. And I had this weird flashback where I'm like, oh my God, that's the play that Toronto likes to run to Declan Cross. And then Toronto ran it the next series to Declan Cross. And I was like, okay, I was like, okay, they're just, they're, they're intimidating or they're, they're imitating each other at this point with some of their play calling, but yeah, they, they've been able to mix it up and get targets to some different people in different spots. But as it comes to Don Jackson, I have no idea. I really have no idea what what's happening there. And it feels like if I, again, I don't play a lot of the fantasy and all the rest, but if I were to, and I was looking at Hamilton's backfield situation without even looking at mm. the analytics or, or the touches or the shares or any of that stuff, I would just go with Sean because Sean's always been high value when he's healthy. And if he's healthy, he's going to get touches because Condell loves him because any of the quarterbacks that go in know that he is guaranteed production. And, uh, and so I just, I don't know what Don Jackson's deal is. I don't know what the Ticats deal is with using him or not using him, but Sean is the guy there. He, he should be, uh, but Hamilton, I, I mean, I, my heart goes out to Hamilton in the, they don't particularly seem to care about running backs too terribly much. So uh, we're going to put this guy in. We'll use this guy. This is all good. We'll run it with somebody else. Heaven forbid Braylon Addison limited at practice means he's back at practice. When he gets in, there's some carries. Yeah. Like they, they're on the verge of something. If Posey, I haven't seen Posey status, but if, when he's back, uh, week seven might be too soon, but you know, this is a team I, I fear if their quarterback situation is fixed with Dane Evans being back from injury. Cause I don't know what Masoli's deal is whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but is he ever playing again? I don't know. Uh, week 12, week 14, if Dane's healthy and this offense is back, like riders play them in week 16. And I figured that was going to be a very different team than the one they faced in week number two. Uh, Kamar Jordan, you feel like uh, 200? I feel like he's put up 180, whatever that was again. Well, Good doesn't, Lord. Doesn't Ambles, doesn't Ambles lead the uh, the CFL as of right now when it comes to targets, I believe? Like, I'm watching that game in uh, in Edmonton over the weekend, and he's he's getting everything. Like, Bo is – you can tell very quickly who Bo is comfortable with, and I think he's got some work to get on the same page with Huff. They were doing some hand signals after plays, and is that you or is that me, or did you mean to curl inside, or were you supposed to come back down your stem and – uh, and it yeah. seemed like he was trying to figure him out, but man, Bo knows Kamar Jordan. Bo knows Marquise Ambles. Yeah, my uh, my prop wages for who will lead the league in receiving are in the toilet at this point. Uh, Marquise Ambles, I'm at 39 targets. Lawler, Kyron Moore at 38. Josh Huff at 36. Three receivers in the top five from the Calgary Stampeders. Oh, here's a good targets. one. Here's, yeah. here's a good one for you when it comes to league leaders on this stuff. Um, in the top 10 of special teams tackles in the CFL, I believe five of them are Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Wait, what? <laughs> if you have, I, I should actually pull this up for you right now because I need to, yeah, you go ahead and pull up special teams tackles. Uh, who are the league leaders as of right now? Updated stands because I believe I heard this the other day talking to somebody and they said that uh, there are, there's five bombers in the top 10 of special teams tackles, I think. And... Uh, there's also like three globals, I believe. Tyron Verde in Ottawa is up there. Uh, Les, okay, Mar- yeah. Les Moreau from Japan. 
uh, is up there in the conversation. I believe Theodric Hansen is up in the conversation. Is like there's so the global guys are getting it done on specials, and the bombers are getting it done on specials. And the bombers happen to have globals that are very good, which means when you do the Venn diagram of that, uh, that you have a lot of success for Winnipeg special teams. What that means? Wow. What that means for why Winnipeg has so many, I think it speaks to what we're talking about with the run game, where it's like they're happy to play the field position game, even with below par uh, punting, because they know their defense is just going to outlast people. So that's why they're less aggressive, even in the positive half of the field. And it just means a lot of punts and a lot of tackles. Uh, In the top nine, five bombers in the top nine of special (laughs) teams tackles. Mike Miller, the runaway league leader. Teadric Hansen tied for third on eight tackles. Uh, Nick Hallett with seven and Les Maruo, uh, their other global player, two global players in the top nine of tackles. Uh, he's got six. That's, that's a lot of punting and kicking. And, <laughs> well, maybe, those are kickoffs too, right? When you're scoring yeah. points, but Winnipeg that is, is, that's a remarkable stat. But Winnipeg is mastering the global game right now. Like, let's just say that straight up because there's a lot of places where they're like, I don't know, Australian kicker. Sure. It's like, I think Winnipeg has proven pretty clearly you go out, you get yourself a physical linebacker style body that can run around on special teams and be an athletic beast. Mm -hmm. They're going to make tackles for you. Like you don't have to ingrain them into the CFL game. Well, here's how the waggle works. And let's make sure how many global receivers do we have making an impact right now that have been either drafted, signed, any of that stuff. It's like, it's not really a thing, but we keep bringing in kickers, which honestly, like, I kind of like the kicking stuff, whether it's Stefan Flintoft or if it's uh, Jake Ford has, has been some uh, some fun. But there's some good ones out there that have been nice. But to me, it's like, man, I would do it Winnipeg's way right now. Like, that's just another yeah. thing that they have in terms of the big picture of why they're playing so well right now. I just I feel like they've got it going on. So anyways, yeah, there, there's a fun little well, stat. It's a, it's a, it's such a minor edge, right? Having a guy having an extra guy. But when teams are carrying guys, the Riders carried a kicker for the first one, two, three games, uh, and he never kicked the ball, right? And you're like, okay, well, we've, we're accepting zero value from our global player. They now have a kid in Chris Azela uh, who's come in that they go, ah, he's a fullback, but he's six foot and 250. I wonder if he can rush the passer. And they're <laughs> going to see, right? To get some kind of, you, you just, if you can get, one per, one point of value from your from your global yeah. player, a guy you are obliged to have on your roster. That's so much better than having a depth kicker. Like, yeah. you see, don't you're not taking your your regular kicker off to put some guy in unless it's a sixty to one game. So yeah, you're you're right. Like you get a little value, and honestly, I've never played special teams in the CFL. It seems pretty violent. Yes. And if I can if I can not have my starting linebacker taking a couple extra shots on special teams. I like it. I like the thought of that. You win in the margins. I think at times when you're, you know, we're, we're getting out the sticks to measure whether or not you got six inches or not on a, on a quarterback sneak. Why would we not be looking to win in the margins when it comes to roster construction by using the globals in a way we're actually utilizing them. So can we talk, can we talk? I thought about this on the way home, a quick talk about quarterback sneaks for a sec. Yeah, sure. So in the, in the banjo bowl, the, the, pardon me, the bombers, sneak the ball from like the two and a half yard line. And my partner, Luke Moner goes, ah, that's weird. I think they're setting something up later in the game. McGuire comes back in. They're going right to left. Oh, quarterback sneak formation. And then he drops straight back and throws a bomb down the field because it's one-on-one coverage on a 65 yard wide field. Why, why aren't teams just naturally in like, you have two defenders in there. Like you're not, I thought about it on the way home. 
if you have two defenders watching the pass, okay, now he's thrown into a double team and now he's pooched. That play never happens. But you're not sacrificing that much in the sneak game. If he gets one yard or two yards, big hairy deal. It's a first down. Yeah. And your sneak efficiency in the CFL has to be 90%. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to so, go back and look. Why not? Why, why isn't it cover two on those? And we just use 10 guys to protect this. Totally fair. We used to have a saying when I was at McMaster that they would always yell down the bench, whether it was from Greg Knox, who's now with the Ottawa Redblacks. John Behe was our offensive coordinator. Steph Patatsik, former CFLer, of course, is a receiver that was, uh, that's still the head coach at Mac. And he would always say, don't defend the first down. Like, who cares? Like, oh, it, yeah, yeah. Like, how many times, as you say, the success rate, how many times are you likely to stuff somebody three, four times when it, I mean, I understand if it's on the goal line, sure, sell out. Like, that, that's a matter of Absolutely. points. But if we're talking about middle of the field between the 30s for each team, and there's a team going for a third and one, and they're sneaking it, it's like, yeah, it'd be great to get a stop and, and get people out there. But how often is a defensive back the reason that you're getting the stop? Like it's usually a defensive lineman who's submarining underneath and changing the direction of the pile and forcing him back. And he tries to reach the football out and a linebacker punches it out or to your point, the DBs are not doing anything. So why are we defending the first down with defensive backs? They're not going to make a difference. They should be focused on the pass in case it does happen. But the honest answer is they fall asleep at the wheel sometimes. Like they just get into the rhythm of this, okay. is, a, this is a play off for me. Let's just line up. They see a formation. They see people. Come. I honestly don't know how much time defensive coordinators spend on educating people on the likelihood that yeah they they actually don't always sneak it here they just say hey it feels like they line up in this formation you line up in that formation we smash our bodies together and then they win because they get a yard off the ball and they get to know when the football is actually coming up so uh mm -hmm. yeah th to me that's the oversimplified answer yeah over five years uh winnipeg was the best sneak team 92 percent of the time they would convert so that's zero, one, and two yards. BC was the worst at 81%. If Honestly, if you're BC and you're the worst sneak team and 81% becomes, well, you let them just have it 90% of the time, who cares? Because, yeah. yeah, risk versus reward is exactly what, uh, what your coaches were capturing there. Yeah, yeah, when it matters, we'll care. But you know what? This is, at some point, third and zero was a foregone conclusion virtually in the season. Yeah, CFL. So let's not get roasted and look silly. Yeah, right, yeah, that's my, absolutely. That's my, that's my short yardage. I like it. I like it. Uh, give me your uh, your thirty second to a minute thoughts here on Toronto, Saskatchewan, because I know you're going to be talking about it forever on CKRM and the pregame show and during the game and all the rest. So, what is your condensed idea of what this game is looking like? This is the most pivotal game the Riders will play, uh, maybe until the Edmonton series late in the season. Uh, four and two and three and three at this moment are drastically different because three and three would be three straight losses. And yes, they'd be two teams that I think are very good, but three straight losses. And if there were quite people, the, the Twitter sentiment was out there, oh, is it time to go to Isaac Harker, which is bonkers. And no, it's not. But if injury forces you there, that, that's the deal. The Riders having lost three games in a row with what's been going on and the injury troubles they have. And then what's on the other side, three games, OBC and three games against Calgary. Yikes. This is an absolutely critical game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, less so for the Argos. Absolutely for the Riders. I just want to watch Sean Oakman. Uh, that's my thing. He's, <laughs> he's, he's been doing some crazy stuff the last couple of weeks against Hamilton where it's like you put Brandon Revenberg somewhere down here underneath his armpit uh, trying to push him. And then you put Darius Sirocco 
somewhere over here around the middle of the ribs and they're both pushing on him and it's not working. Why can't we stop this human being from going forwards? So he's uh, it's unfortunate that he was the one that ended up injuring Dane Evans because uh, obviously he wasn't trying to. He's just trying to get to the quarterback and he's been really good the last couple of weeks. So uh, Logan Furland, congrats. Uh, Sean Oakman, you get to deal with him a little bit coming up on Friday night, but uh, make sure that everybody is checking out DT there on CKR. I mean, then the last one, Winnipeg at Edmonton, uh, Kalaros and crew go on the road to take on the Elks. For me in this one, I think what I'm intrigued to see is uh, whether or not Winnipeg's extremely straightforward, aggressive rushing approach was a, because let's be real about this. You know this better than anybody, DT, from the work that you do and also from calling the games. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan have this dynamic where it's like, we probably don't have to do this endlessly and just bang into each other, Mm -hmm. but we're going to. Because we're Winnipeg and we're Saskatchewan and it's Labor Day and it's the Banjo Bowl and who's tougher and who's... It's the reason that all that crap spilled over in the end zone is because there's just this mentality of I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, I'm tougher than you, we're going to run it more than you. And I'm wondering whether or not Winnipeg goes into this game with Edmonton and says, yeah, that's who we are. We're going to do that against everybody. It's not just a Saskatchewan thing. Or do they go in and just throw a complete curveball? Like maybe they just show up and they're like, hey, Zach, this week, just, just to mix it up, just to see 40 attempts go crazy. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if that's what they're going to do. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate that being what they're going to do. I think they are what they are at this point. But if they want to change a pace, Ed- Edmonton might be the game to do it. Because if Edmonton scores a little bit with Walker and Ellingson, I would be interested to see what Winnipeg looks like chasing, needing to throw down 10 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, that would require them to throw the ball to Greg Ellingson, though. Which that's true. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I legit have no idea what's happening with it's not the, throwing the ball to Greg Ellingson. The, the most disappointing thing of this entire CFL season is not Greg Ellingson not getting the football enough. It's that I feel just in my in my soul so bad for the marketing people of the Edmonton Elks because there's such a great campaign here for Greg Elkingson. And I just, I want them to be, to be able to access the name brand notoriety of the Elks. (laughs) You made this choice. You have Greg Ellingson. There's some wordplay that can happen there. There's great posters that can go up around town, but if you don't throw in the football, the marketing department can't use Elkingson. And that's disappointing to me. Darrell Walker. Like, come on. There's there's a few of them there. Uh, Tavon Elk Smith. Like, (laughs) you know, it's not quite as good. Armont Elk Edwards. I don't know. Or or, Armonty Elkwards. I don't know. Uh, Oh, hey, now we're talking. (laughs) Those big two, those are just absolutely naturals. Uh, James Wilder's going for 100 yards in this game. I don't know if it will help them win. No, uh, I I thought Edmonton was going to be really, really good. And I don't know. How how did they lose to Calgary? How how are you so nice one week and then just a, a tire fire the next week? I, I don't understand what's happening there. And they need to pile up some wins, right? Because it's still a ways off. It's in November. But that three games and seven days thing is going to absolutely wreck them standings-wise. Yeah. Like they're gonna they're gonna get beat in Saskatchewan, then they're gonna go to Toronto on two days rest, and they're gonna go to BC on two days rest, they're gonna be rubbing their eyes, don't even know where they woke <laughs> up. And I, I I would rub my eyes harder, but my arms really hurt getting beat up two days ago in a football game because we're pro football players. They need to pile up some wins now and be 
I don't know, because crossover, honestly, this might be the big thing. The crossover may well not be available this year because yep. Montreal plays Ottawa four times. So there's going to be a lot of wins in the East. If I am BC, Calgary, or Edmonton, I'm not banking on the crossover being available at this point. I yeah. think Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are going to end up one and two. I don't know how the seeding's going to shake out in the rest of the West, but I, yeah, I'm with you. This is not a year like the past three CFL seasons we've seen. It, it has been three, right? Because BC came over in 18, Edmonton came over in 19, and I believe in 17 it was the Riders. Um, who ended up going yeah. into going into Ottawa. And so, yeah, it might even go back further than that. Like, I know there was another BC game against Hamilton. might have been 16 or 15. But, yeah, it's typically it plays out that way. But whether it's because of a shortened season, less games, whether it's because of improved parity in the East, but then being able to get a couple of wins against the – I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I'm with you. That's I don't think that's something that they can count on, and I don't think it would be wise uh, to believe that that's the way to go. But that is – the breakdown for us this week. Uh, anything else you want to throw out here, DT? Let people know where they can catch you throughout the week, all the rest. 620 CKRM, the sports cage. Of course, Friday night football on CKRM. Saskatchewan Rough Riders is a pivotal game against the Argos. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saskatchewan time, that one's 745. So what are we talking? 945 East. With the minor overlap with the early game for folks who watch it on TV, oddly. But uh, yeah, tune in on the radio. It's just better on the radio. Yeah, that is that is true. I, I'm a big fan of radio broadcasts. I actually listened to the uh, the Florida State radio broadcast this week when they lost to, ja <laughs> when they lost to Jacksonville State. And the call of it was so good uh, because it's just, well, here they go. I guess they've got an opportunity. Takes the shot down to the... Oh dear, caught at the 20. Oh no, he cuts him. Oh, and that's it. That's it. Florida State falls. Florida State falls to Jacksonville State, which by the way, is not actually Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville State, that university is from Alabama. So they're not even like the, the good of the Jacksonvilles. And they, they, but anyways, the radio broadcast of that was, it was fantastic. So I, uh, I hope that people will enjoy 620 CKRM, as he says, on Friday night, as the Argos go in, that one's going to be a lot. That doubleheader is fantastic. Hamilton, Calgary, and then going right into your game out there in Saskatchewan, I think is going to be great, great stuff. Uh, be heard on the mm -hmm. field with Fox 40, Sonic Blast, CMG, 120 decibels of sound power. The Sonic Blast can be heard over even the loudest of crowds. Just don't use it when you're sitting in the crowd, please. Uh, shop now at fox40shop.com and use the promo code CFP15 at checkout for 15% or more. And uh, we have a great partnership that we have announced here. I want to let people know about it. If you didn't see it, Yesterday, when it came out on uh, All Canadian, the podcast and all that good stuff, uh, the OUA, Ontario University Athletics, has signed on with us. They begin their season coming up this weekend. We want to make sure you're aware that OUA.tv is free. All football games streaming live and on demand for you. OUA.tv is the best place to go. OUA.ca, of course, for your stats, standing scores, et cetera. They got everything there for you. But OUA.tv, the best place to catch all the games coming up this weekend as they get going. And, uh, man, it starts off with a doozy, Mac Western. So Dwayne Ford and I will be texting. Uh, I believe, on Saturday afternoon to be able to find out how that one's going to play out. But uh, DT, good as always, my man. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. And have yourself a hell of a call on Friday night, okay? Thanks, brother.